Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright. I often tell people there is no licensing process to become a journalist. Yes, you can go to school and get degrees and all the rest, but nobody appoints you a journalist. The First Amendment makes it possible, and from there, the whole business rests on a three-pronged relationship between those of us who call ourselves journalists, the sources we turn to for information, and the people to whom we offer our work, which is to say, you, dear listener. It's all about your trust that we are acting independently with integrity and thoroughness on your behalf. Or that's how I understand it anyway. And it is no big newsflash for me to tell you that this trust between journalists and our potential readers, listeners, and viewers has eroded substantially. Or at least that's what public opinion polls tell us, which are yet another source of information that fewer of us trust these days. So for the rest of this hour, I want to get a vibe check from the listeners of this particular show about your relationship with journalists. And I'm firstly interested in those of you who have experienced some kind of change. If you trust journalism, less than you once did, why? Or if you come to trust us more, if you've deepened your relationship with your primary news outlet, whatever that is, why? What happened for you? And as we sort through your calls, I'm joined by host and managing editor of On the Media, Brooke Gladstone. Hey, Brooke. Hey there, Kai. So, Brooke, I have asked you to come help me with this conversation because you have been in this relationship with listeners and readers for a very long time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, at On the Media <laughs> Alone, you have been hosting a weekly conversation for more than twenty years. How do you understand twenty years? It's it's you know. So how do you how do you understand your relationship with listeners? What's what is the social contract for you? Well, uh, being uh, somebody who is on a show a, a show that talks regularly to people on behalf of listeners, I feel like the listener surrogate. Mm. I feel very strongly that I should ask the questions that the listeners have in their minds, that I don't pretend to be smarter than my listeners, nor less informed than my listeners. I have to consider them to be curious and engaged, but like me, not a know-it-all on every subject, Mm -hmm. and uh, to be able to provide that. I also think it's important to provide context, a bit of history, and, uh, and certainly an important primary discussion of the stakes. And so your obligation to your listeners is to be their surrogate to be on level on the level with them. That's really the that's the relationship you're you're saying. We're on a level together. Yeah. And, yes. And how do you feel about the state of the social contract between journalists and the communities we serve overall right now? And you know, and I'm I'm not talking about data or anything like that. I just mean as someone who has invested so much personally, right, over such a long time in this kind of relationship. Just where do you think it stands right now? 
I, I want you to tell me what you mean by social contract uh, or simply about credibility, because uh, the social contract is uh, what we sign up to do. And, uh, and I guess the other side of it is how is it received? Mm-hmm. And I think that the social contract for me remains the same, but our reception, of course, continues to... Uh, to struggle and mm-hmm. uh, and has for many years. It went up shortly after Watergate, uh, and then it's been on a more or less continuous decline ever since. A continuous th- decline, you think? Pretty much, with a few peaks and valleys, and I and they are interesting. Uh, a good peak during Katrina, for instance, mm. uh, a valley during the run up to the Second Gulf War. Uh, let's let's look at Katrina. Why such a peak? Because let's face it, the reporting on Hurricane Katrina was crappy as hell Mm. in many regards because uh, reporters were very fixed on, uh, on the reports of law enforcement and law enforcement weren't always where they were supposed to be and basically picked up and repeated rumor. Mm -hmm. And so you heard about all sorts of horrors happening in new, in new Orleans and people, if they only cared about truth and accuracy, should have been really mad at the media, but they weren't. Why weren't they? Because the media were expressing how they felt, the outrage, the, the fury, the, the anger at the federal government for mm. doing so little to prevent what happened or to address the consequence of what happened. You know, you have Anderson Cooper and many others yelling at authorities yeah, and that yeah felt so good. And that is the fundamental relationship as opposed to the social, there is a social contract. We think it's to report fairly and accurately and with principle. And that's where we might get into trouble because people's values are different across the board. But fundamentally, if you look at the polls, what the what the listeners and the readers and viewers care about is seeing themselves reflected. And the more that uh, they are reflected, uh, the better they like the media. In in the run-up to the war, there was criticism. This was, there was a big peak uh, at 9-11 and then a great decline where reporters were considered to be uh, anti-American uh-huh. and uh, poor patriots because they questioned the bases of that war or to the extent that they questioned right. the bases of that war. They didn't do it a whole heck of a lot. But to the extent they did it at all, they were uh, ripe for attack across a nascent right-wing media that uh, used a long-standing canard about biased media that began with think tanks during the Nixon administration to put everybody in the corner. So that's Brooke's take. Coming up, we'll hear what some of you think. Stay with us. We often think of universities as isolated ivory towers, but the fact is, politics have always been present on campus. 
This is Kai, and after you're done with our show this week, take a listen to the New Yorker Radio Hour, where David Rimnick looks closely at what's been happening at Harvard. The money factor, very important. What is it that college presidents do? One of their most important functions is raising money. Law professor Randall Kennedy. He's worth a listen, and so is the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so let's hear from some of you. Uh, let's go to Evan in Central Illinois. Evan, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, how are you? I am well. Evan, have you have you had a change in your trust in the media? Yeah, I'm. You know, a young person. I grew up in a digital age, and uh, you know, grew up kind of on YouTube media. That was the the main source that growing up I kind of followed. Uh, NPR was a big a big part of that. Cause my dad always listened to it. <laughs> but after you know the the Trump presidency, I've you know become more and more, I guess, closely tied to news, and it matters more to me as I huh. become older. You know, I graduated high school here a few years ago, and I'm approaching the job market and. You know, the the news becomes realer and realer almost mm. every day. Mm. And what do you want from it? When you say the news becomes realer and realer every day, so then what is it you want from the news as it's starting to, as you're starting to tune into it more closely? I think one of, one of the things that um, I almost long for is uh, Vietnam. Uh, the Vietnam War was the first televised war, and there was so much backlash to it because you know, people saw these young Americans sent across the world to, to die. And I, sometimes I want to see that with issues we have, you know, nowadays, public shootings, it's never, never, you know, a horrific scene that you see broadcast. It's after images. you, You never see, you know, blood smeared across a classroom wall. I don't think I've ever seen that image, you know, mm. on the front front of the paper, but I should every single time it happens mm. because that's what inspires, you know, real visceral reactions is is not this, you know, there's nothing we can do, mm. hoo-ha, just move on with, with a, life. A realism. You want to, this sounds like what Brooke was talking about. You want to really see uh us reflect what you're experiencing as opposed to trying to 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 sugarcoat it evan thank you for that uh i'm going to keep going because we've got a bunch of folks i want to get to let's go to joel in saint paul minnesota joel welcome to the show uh hello um yeah my name is joel from saint paul i happen to be a family physician and i've been a strong supporter of npr and uh the news media i do have a certain level of trust however i would say this that I think that trust has been questioned a lot in recent times, mainly because of what the last caller said about social media platforms have become so pervasive everywhere, streaming, digital, that people really don't know what to trust anymore. There's too much information. Uh, I'm a little older. I go back to before the internet days, and (laughs) I find it very difficult to navigate through media. And So I don't like to use words like right and left anymore. I just don't think they apply that easily. I think people are much more confused about what that even means anymore. I would love to see the media sort of uh, be a more positive force in trying to navigate that all of that information that's out there that people want to, 
people tend to go to sources of information that they want to believe. They don't necessarily mm-hmm. know what to trust, I think. And I think it's a big problem. I think it's a really big issue, and I'm glad you have that topic. Th- thank you for that, Joel. So too much coming at us too fast, particularly since social media. Uh, uh, let's go to one more before uh, we talk a little bit about this, Brooke. Let's go to Barbara in Hartford County, Connecticut. Barbara, welcome to the show. Hi. How you doing, Barbara? Um, so, what, what, what do you want to share with us? Um, so I was, I, I think I'm not the normal person here because my trust in the media has actually gone up a okay. little bit recently. Um, now I was, uh, for context, I was raised by a Vietnam veteran uh, who taught me not to trust the media. Um, like my whole life growing up, I you know, heard about how the media lies and uh, when Fox News became a thing, my parents were so excited because finally there was someone out there that wasn't going to lie to them. Ironic, isn't that? Um, but so I was raised not to trust any of y'all. I, I was raised to think y'all are liars. And so I've learned over the years when I'm reading the news how to try and pull the facts out and leave the opinions to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's gotten a lot easier recently because people aren't even trying to hide their bias anymore. Um, but ironically, when Trump became president and started fake news, fake news, everybody's, they're all fake news. Um, it's like the media took it, at least the major media took it to heart and got more interested in the facts again and less in the opinion. That we were snapped to attention um, by, by the crisis of the Trump. Right, era. right. It was like, oh, you're going to call us liars? No, we're not. Uh, we'll prove it. <laughs> um, so my trust has gone up a little bit now because um, I see yeah. how hard you are trying to be to be accurate. Um, and, of course, I have the ability to um, to read through the opinions, even right. when I'm reading stuff that I'm, isn't trying to be as unbiased as possible. Thank, thank you for that, Barbara. And, Brooke, so a lot that came up in just those three calls. Vietnam keeps coming up. Um, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, there was a there was a dominant narrative that was put out by people in the military and by politicians, particularly Ronald Reagan, but many others, that the media lost that war. That is not the case. Mm. The media, according to a uh, military analysis, found that uh, by the time Walter Cronkite said we were mired in stalemate, which was uh, considered to be the big turning point, Polls had showed the public had already turned against the war because the number of casualties had gone up to a particular level. And at that level, then suddenly the uh, the support for the war tapered off. It is true that the media had been pretty pro the Vietnam War initially yeah. and then gradually learned that they were being lied to, uh, demonstrably lied to. I mean, this is what the Pentagon Papers were proved right, beyond right. the shadow of a doubt. So, um, so it wasn't the media. The media were maybe a little bit ahead of the, uh, of the public, but the turning point came when a certain level of casualties was met and not because of the media coverage. It wasn't Walter Cronkite 
saying we were mired in stalemate and couldn't be one. It was... It was, it was too many people experiencing death in their own mugged, lives. Mugged by reality. <laughs> yeah. well, and this brings that, me back... that's the only thing that'll change minds now because of the huh. lack of belief in facts. Well, but this brings me back to Evan, the first caller, and who seemed to be saying something very similar to what you're, the point you're making about what you believe uh, your listeners and, and folks who consume journalism want from us. This idea that what we, they really want is for you to just reflect reality as opposed to, I'm not sure what it's as opposed to. <laughs> um, Although I disagreed with, I agreed with Evan's larger point, but I think I disagreed with his example. I agreed. think that we don't need uh, to endlessly view pictures of George Floyd's horrible murder. We don't need to. After a while, it becomes, there's there's a phrase in coverage called war porn. Yeah. And uh, you have to worry about exploiting that image. It is available for all to see. Uh, it's, uh, you know, that it isn't necessarily our role to... Uh, to show that picture when it is especially because it is so widely available. Well, and I guess that connects to yeah. like the, what I wanted to ask you about it with this perspective is like, what is the line between then um, uh, if we, if, if what you believe listeners really want is for you to be able to just reflect the reality that they're experiencing back, mm -hmm. um, what is the line between that and telling them what they want? Right. Like where does, where, how do you sort out um, uh, the difference between, okay, I'm serving the community um, versus I'm pandering to the community. It's it's it is a it's really tough. We're humans too, and and <laughs> we want to be liked. That's why some of the uh, that's why some of the coverage in the run up to the Gulf War yeah. wasn't uh, wasn't as aggressive as it should have been, as we heard later, because everybody had felt the impact of nine eleven. Everybody was shaken and, as a nation, traumatized. And that includes the journalists. And I think it really had a bad impact on the journalism. In terms of, uh, we don't really, I mean, if we're pure, the way that our mica is pure, uh, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to make that decision. The audience will make that decision. They'll go away if they don't That's like right. what they're hearing, as apparently happened in Fox when they uh, they called the uh, the crucial state for Trump, and right. uh, people suddenly went to Newsmax. Right, the audience will go away because that is in the end. Again, this is all rests on just the question of whether or not the audience thinks we're serving them or not. Last twenty seconds, Brooke. What motivates you in this work? Like, why do you do this? Well, uh, I know that I'm not going to change anything immediately. Reporters do this for a variety of reasons. I feel incredibly curious. I love being forced to engage with the big issues of the day. And I strongly want to, to tell people what I believe is actually happening out there. It's that simple for me. And maybe change can happen from that to make the world we live in better. I mean, it we, sounds bland, but it's true. It sounds stirring, Brooke, and we will leave it there. <laughs> Brooke Gladstone is host of On the Media. Thank you so much for this time. Notes from America is a production of WNYC Studios. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kai Wright. Thanks for hanging out tonight. Talk to you next week.